I'm John Bond. Welcome to Move Yourself Happy. Made for fitness enthusiasts who want to make their passion their profession. Are you unhappy in your present job? Are you passionate about health and fitness? Do you want to release your true potential? If the answer is yes, this podcast is for you. I will be teaching you the specific knowledge that every trainer and coach needs to be successful. So listen closely as I share my expertise with you. So just like me, you can love what you do. Alex, good to see you, mate. How you doing? Yeah, good, man. Good to see you too. Okay. Having a good day so far? You trained? I have, yeah. yeah. I've got my morning session in uh, nice and early. It's definitely a lot a lot different now that the weather's closed in. It's a lot colder, a lot darker, but yeah, still get it in. It's like a, it's a lot colder, isn't it? Yeah, just habitually doing it now. As I, don't know if it's, I don't know if it's actually a lot colder or just not had a chance to like acclimatize to any type of cold at all. <laughs> so yeah, a little bit cold well, like, and that's it. Freezing. Well, like two week two weeks ago, it was uh, we had a heat brush, right? I know. Wave. It was like I was walking my dog just in t-shirt and shorts, <laughs> flip flops, yeah. in uh, at the start of October, and now you're like wrapped up at night. <laughs> haven't turned the heating on though yet. <laughs> no, I know we haven't. We got we've got a wood burner, but I haven't got that one either. But um, but what I have done is I've started wearing slippers. So I'm I'm finally at the age forty four where I'm starting donning slippers. And uh, I'm actually kind of regretting not starting this thing earlier because they're so they're so cozy and warm, Alex. Uh, <laughs> are you a slipper wearer? I'm not. No, I'm not a not a slipper wearer, not a house shoe enthusiast. <laughs> no, well, no, me neither. I always walk around in socks, but then the winter comes and on come the slippers, and yeah, life's yeah. good again. So maybe when I get into my forties, it will be uh, something that I reconsider. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I could talk about slippers and coziness all day. Um, but we should probably move on to something a bit more interesting <laughs> for others anyway to listen to. Um, right, cool. Are you happy with me just to fire away with some questions then? Because I think you're yeah. big inspiration to anyone listening that is interested in, you know, making their passion their profession and becoming a qualified fitness professional. Awesome. So well, that's probably a great place to start. Um, so if you wouldn't mind, just tell me about your journey so far. So from the moment you... I guess had the idea in your head of becoming qualified trainer mm-hmm. to now. That's going to be a long old story, but I'll try. And yeah, keep that's it brief. like three um, hours. Just that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it all kind of started. Obviously, you know, growing up, uh, probably the same as most people who are listening, who are you know, who are thinking about this as a career, like very active. Um, right in sports found training pretty early as well in terms of like resistance training and and changing changing your body and changing your performance based um based on how you train in the gym found that pretty early i think i was like 13 14 you know when i first started training and that was all to really supplement like my passion at the time which was rugby uh, as well as just being a physical person like i just enjoyed being able to do any any kind of physical task be it running hiking swimming you know horseback riding anything like i just enjoyed being outdoors and i I enjoyed being physical probably i grew up in africa so that probably had something to do with it um but when i first started to to think about being a personal trainer was probably when i was about 17 
And I had a friend of mine who was a, a little bit older. He was like 22, 23 at the time. And he just got into personal training and we were talking about it. And I was like, sounds amazing. Like you, know, you just, you get to train people and you get to impart your passion and you get to like help them like figure out how to use this, you know, use your body and um, how to be healthier and be happier and, you know, live a, a, a longer life. That sounds like, incredible. Um, mm -hmm. And he was like, oh yeah. And I get paid X amount per hour. And I was like, that also sounds incredible because <laughs> <laughs> at that point in my life, I, you know, I didn't really have any set plans on what I wanted to do as a job. You know, I, I'd gone through potentially going to medical school and I'd done like a, a medical school trial and I was like, oh, it's not really for me. I, d I just felt like the medical industry as a whole was very much reactive rather than proactive. Mm. Uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of the doctor friends that I've had um, over the years have kind of corroborated that as well, where, you know, everyone's trying to do their best and trying to do good, but a lot of it is, you know, retrospective of what, people could have done or should have done with their body in the years leading up to being ill or going to see a doctor so I was like well that's probably not for me but training people that sounds that sounds pretty proactive let's get ahead of people being ill and injured and unhappy and and help them out there and so finished all my A-levels had my gap year did a bit of traveling and then worked <laughs> worked like three jobs um, to like save up for a personal training course in my gap year. So I did my personal training, my first personal training certification with uh, Premier Global, if you remember mm, them. I do remember them and I knew you had. Yeah, I remember the conversation that we had. They were like the gold standard. They, I say yeah. were in the past sense because they've actually, I don't know if you know, but they're, they're, no, they're no more. Yeah, they um, stopped recently, quite recently, actually. Yeah, um, but they were the gold standard. So I remember when you told yeah. me, I remember being like, okay, this guy's, serious about doing this because that's what you did back in the day when you were serious about getting qualified you went to Premier yeah Club. well that was it I kind of did my due diligence of research on different courses out there at the time and unfortunately you know the Storm Fitness Academy wasn't wasn't up and running around, around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um so yeah, we haven't bulldozed through... Premier Global by the way that's not yeah <laughs> <laughs> just come yeah. in like something out of succession just that's it yeah, torn the haven't... business away from them you haven't bought it out from underneath them and then just sold off its parts right yeah <laughs> it kept the bits that worked and yeah so i you know i went through their their full course so i did like the level two level three i did the nutrition aspect of things because i you know realized through my own training that um you know you very much need that aspect to to bring into your own training to improve your performance and to also like help coach people in the future and i also did like a the therapy course as well the sports sports therapist sports massage therapist um i think it was like a four week five week add-on so i did the whole thing um and then went to university and did a three-year degree at university which is where i met myself um and at that point i hadn't really like put the personal training course to any use but as soon as i finished university literally i think two days after I, I wrote my final exam at university i started as a personal trainer um at la fitness down in southampton um and then yeah kind of fell in love with it you know the, the whole aspect of helping people the relationships you build you know being able to being able to sit down with someone and really tease out like what what they're you know, not just what they need to do, because, you know, we always talk about this in terms of like, if you, if you sit most people down with a coffee and you just kind of like tease things out of them, 
where it's like, you know, what do you think you need to do with your health to improve it? What do you think, you know, and it just the, it, there's such an abundance of information out there now that people are almost like overwhelmed with knowing what they need to do mm. <laughs> to the point where it's like paralysis by overanalysis. They're like, well, I know I, I should be more active throughout the day and I shouldn't eat these things in abundance and I shouldn't drink every night, stuff like that. And it's like, okay, but then the real fun aspect of that from a coach's perspective is actually like teasing that out of them and, and putting it in a way and framing it in a way habitually for them that they can actually take action and change their life rather than just being like monkey see monkey do like here's your training program here's your nutrition program don't break from it you have to be 100 percent on it's like that's you know in an ideal world you know well if it was an ideal world then we'd be able to we'd be able to apply everything that we read in the online and everything that we we hear we'd be able to apply and everyone would be a what is it the quote everyone would have a six pack and millions of dollars in the account but yeah that's where knowledge application is application of knowledge (laughs) is is a is a big discrepancy so yeah and that's i guess that's what a lot of coaches now are spending a lot of their time doing is okay we know the we know the science about what works we know the actions we need to take but now we we need to know how do we make people follow those actions and do the actions and that's the yeah. bit that's probably i suppose it's psychology isn't it but that's mm. the that's the younger science isn't it we don't understand that as well do we <laughs> yeah well it's like it, it's as you call it the soft sciences right it's the the ability to empathize with somebody you know as a what was I, 22-year-old male and trying to empathize with like a 45-year-old woman who was struggling with X, Y, and Z. And it's like being able to develop that in yourself from a psychology point of view and, you know, the empathic point of view as well is is something that, you know, uh, going completely off topic here, but the, um, the whole advent of AI and, you know, you see a lot of things written about how AI is going to spell the the death of the personal trainer because you know you can have chat gpt write you a 16-week program in three seconds and it's like Mm. but the the soft skills the aspect of actually how someone applies that the nuances of training the nuances of coaching that's never going to be lost in terms of like the one-on-one connection yeah you you can you can download a program online now for free that people have written like years ago and we always say like the the best program is the one that you stick to right Mm. um but it's the nuances of the coach actually like helping you through the process and and discovering things that you may not know so until ai gets lodged in our brains and can like predict our thoughts i don't think this industry has an issue with that for sure (laughs) no that's another podcast in itself isn't it but um Mm. even if that was the case i really i was desperately trying not to go off at a tangent like this but (laughs) (laughs) even that was the case how do you quickly process the difference between because if you use chat gpt you type something in quite often you go ah okay it's misinterpreted me or i haven't Mm. been clear enough with my description because you have to read for everything to check it don't you like if if, Mm. if a fitness professional uses it to help them and be a bit quicker at doing things they'll still have to then go through it and go do i agree with it Mm. Uh, is that correct and then you look at it and you go oh it's 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 misunderstood me so yeah Yeah. i don't know once that's in your head like i mean yeah i don't don't know how that's going to work you're just going to have so much information coming at you and then 
you got okay that's no that's rubbish what about no that's crap you know? <laughs> yeah yeah there's gonna be so and much that's where i think that's where i think you know the human aspect of being a coach and being a good coach uh, and someone who's constantly upskilling can never be you know uh, understated because there are going to be a lot of coaches <clears throat> pun me coming up now who are just solely relying on ai to to build things out for them and i think if you what sets you apart from a coach in this industry now more than ever is your ability to connect with people your ability to understand and actually empathize and work with somebody rather than just giving someone a program charging them x amount of pounds and then you know in 12 weeks time when they don't get the result just kind of like bring it back and blame them you know that's that's what the industry will degenerate into unless you know people continually keep upskilling and and getting better and just doing better yeah and the ai is not going to replace well i don't think it is is going to replace the compassion because every, everybody mm -hmm. wants to be understood don't they so mm -hmm. you're not you're not going to feel that are you from an algorithm so if if i tell you my problem you then paraphrase it back to me to confirm that you understand where i'm coming from you then show compassion towards that and then help me construct a plan that that's that's a much more personable enjoyable experience than typing mm. in something to chat gpt <laughs> yeah yeah and i think a lot of it is that human connection a lot of it comes back to the human connection aspect mm. of being a coach and being a personal trainer for sure mm. okay so yeah so you <laughs> went to uh you went to uni um you you met me fell in love and then uh <laughs> What, then, then what <laughs> lived happily ever after and that's it um, yeah happy. yeah so i moved to southampton and worked as a trainer there and i was working in uh just a uh, an la fitness down in southampton for nearly two years and then decided to open up my own facility so i opened up a, a gym jointly with two other guys who were both trainers at la fitness as well um and that was that was a great time because it was just before the olympics <clears throat> And all three of us were kind of really keen on uh, training athletes as well as training members of the public and and bringing that higher level aspect of not only a facility, but also like the application of training that we had seen in the States. So, you know, you, you look at the US and obviously everything is on a massive scale. So you look at the training facilities. And at the time we were we were big on um, Joe DeFranco, Charles Poliquin, Paul mm. Check um bill parisi parisi speed schools so we were kind of emulating a lot of that in our facility and you know that that took off it's still running today um and like a couple of years later i was like okay i've done that aspect of it i've trained some really high level athletes there i've trained some uni students who are all on sports teams so i've got that that knowledge of how to apply programs to teams of athletes i've got that knowledge of how to write programming for you know olympic athletes as well as working with um working with members of the public from all walks of life so i was like okay what next <laughs> so bought myself out of that company moved to london worked for one of the biggest body composition changing or body composition focused personal training companies there so worked in mayfair for again just over two years um phenomenal kind of company phenomenal working environment and and work ethic there i'd say um in terms of like just 
pushing transformations like body transformations like nobody's business um, and really dialing in on how to be the best at like changing somebody's body composition and, mm. and doing it and that really you know comes back to what we were talking about earlier it's like you can give someone the recipe for changing their body composition and becoming like you know we were getting people stage ready lean you know training actors training diplomats from all over the world training like wall street or uh, liverpool street bankers investment bankers and stuff like that and everyone came in and were like you know you, you, every client that you'd get would be like i'm doing this in eight weeks or i'm getting married in 13 weeks and i want to be absolutely shredded and you're like right when was the last time that you lifted a weight and it was like ah, about 10 years ago it's like excellent right <laughs> so the you know learning how to control someone's volume in line with a very high stress life for the most of these people was was something that you know we were uh, really focused on there and and uh, they still are like one of one of the best um transformation gyms in the world and now they're, they're global as well massive um sorry so on yeah, that no. alex um yeah because you haven't i think you're probably being a bit modest and humble about it but i remember i me the gym that you're talking about are we saying the name uh yeah ultimate performance um, i wasn't sure if you said it i don't know if i missed it but um i remember all of us well our little our little group of guys um at uni that bonded really well we all used to read every back then it wasn't really so much about video was it content was blogs wasn't it then mm. i don't really recall watching videos back then it was no the, the of... whole youtube video um revolution hadn't really taken off then no it hadn't no and i think we just kept consuming every article that jim threw out most mm. of them were written by Nick Mitchell, weren't they? The the guy that yeah yeah that owns it, and uh, and we used to love the content. It was like you know we would then apply it to our own training, wouldn't we? And mm -hmm. you know, probably find ourselves move, reading that stuff more than the journal articles we should have been reading for our um, in preparation for our lectures. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I remember quite early you said I'm, I want to work for that gym. Mm. Um, you know that's that was a big ambition, a big goal of yours, and. Uh, and it it was it was very cool because I kind of I didn't even sort of consider it, and I think it's because I was potentially I didn't have the, as much self confidence maybe as you. I just thought, oh, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, look at those guys. You know, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do that myself. So I wouldn't even kind of my mind didn't even go there. But you were adamant. Mm -hmm. You were like, no, I'm gonna work there, and you did. So well done. <laughs> you basically had a goal, <laughs> but you just went after it and you experienced it. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's. You know, I think testament to UP and, and Nick in, uh, in and of himself, like the the environment that they create there is very, it's one of like development. So they're not, you know, Nick will be the first one to say this whenever he's like employing a new trainer. They're not looking for somebody who's like the finished article, as it were, or, you know, somebody who's like completely set in their ways. But they're looking for people who are, you know, want to get, experience in the industry when i get experience in the industry working with a group of dudes who are all striving for the same thing um and intellectually just bouncing off each other and that's truly the environment that they create there is is like you know one that i've experienced in a few other places that are very high performance uh, orientated um but certainly like the the culture of like how close-knit everything is and, and the 
kind of competitiveness because it is a they you know they foster a competitive environment in terms of like trying to get people results and it's it's infectious it's a very cool place to work for sure mm. However, yeah, i remember um we went in well we, we we had a day in london together didn't we and um i don't think we planned to but you were like oh we're in mayfair should we go and check out my old yeah. workplace up and we went and had a look and i was like oh this is this is the place yeah it's very <laughs> cool yeah, but I think um, for me at the time, like just getting my head down and getting the experience of working there as well as like the experience of working with just that magnitude of clients, you know, mm. I'd, I'd get there at 5 a.m. for my first client and I'd train all the way through till like 4 or 5 p.m. Uh, most days. And I'd have like a, a two hour window in the middle where I'd have my training session and my food Um and uh, what got what kind of like made me think about well now I need a bit of a change is a I always have itchy feet I love traveling um, and I hadn't traveled out of the UK for a while at that point so and also work, like the Mayfair gym is underground so when I was <laughs> working five a.m. to five p.m. Oh. through the winters I'd never see the sun yeah <laughs> so, vitamin D deficient oh mind you they, they yeah. sell loads of that don't they. <laughs> oh yeah so I one was of the like biggest chomping. selling supplements isn't it yeah i was chomping vitamin d like nobody's business for sure um that and magnesium <laughs> so uh yeah finished with up uh and i took i think i took about four weeks off to kind of like have a little break in the uk and then i flew to canada had a little break there and then i flew to new zealand and stayed in new zealand for well, I was only meant to be out there for about six months. I ended up staying there for just under two years because hmm. um, it's, well, this New Zealand is an incredible place. But um, so I, I set up a therapy clinic there. So it, all in the background of this, my interest of like learning, like voraciously learning about strength and conditioning kind of peaked at UP. But at the same time, I'd never really lost sight of the fact that everybody that that sat in front of me generally had an injury or a malady or some kind of like thing that needed therapy as well so i was like okay well now i need to go and learn therapy so i was you know a lot of the time i was referring to other therapists um like chiropractors osteopaths things like that and working alongside them when i moved to new zealand i just i kind of almost put training on the back burner so i wasn't a trainer out there and I set up a therapy clinic that dealt with, you know, I was just treating people like five, six hours a day, seven days a week kind of thing mm -hmm. <laughs> while I was out there because there's there's a lot to be said for just learning as you're doing um, you, because you can read, as we were talking about earlier, we, you can read all the knowledge, read all the, the texts and the books um, about therapy and you can go on as many courses as you want this is the same with training and nutrition, mm. but until you start applying it, until you, you know, until the rubber hits the road, you know, your your experience is only kind of like this uh, going up. And then as soon as you start to apply that, it just, you know, because so, you it's have, so true, isn't it? In yeah, every you, ha field. you have to learn very quickly. Mm. So, yeah, I spent two years in New Zealand um, being a therapist, set up a, a clinic there in Wellington, um, treated everyone again from like uh 50 60 70 year olds who were kind of like just wanting to 
to not be in pain all the way through to, you know, CrossFitters. It was actually in a CrossFit gym there called Urban Fitness. Fantastic gym uh, in Wellington, if you if you guys are listening or ever over there. Um, the owner, Mike, is an absolute legend as well. He's a good dude. Um, and uh, all the way through to, like, you know, I was treating some rugby players from, uh, like, the Wellington, the Wellington local team, the Hurricanes. So you know, just had an absolute breadth of experience of, uh, of of treating different bodies and different people in different ways and like figuring things out and being like, okay, so this didn't work with that person. Let's try and like implement, you know, different, different approaches. Um, and alongside that, what I, you know, in my first year, it was pretty much just therapy. And then in the second year I was out there, I was starting to apply a lot more of the strength and conditioning stuff to actually help facilitate people getting better with therapy um and then yeah it came to a crunch point where my visa ran out and they were like right you got to get out or you got to pay us a lot of money for a an entrepreneurial visa and i was like shit (laughs) i really want to stay at the same time it was kind of like i was going to have to pay a, a hell of a lot of money to go through this entrepreneurial visa um process and then the outcome wasn't even um uh it it wasn't a sure thing that i was going to get it so i was like okay because one of the biggest things of you know in the um application was that i had to prove that uh, that a a local resident or a you know a kiwi native couldn't do what i was doing and i was like well i'm just i'm a therapist like (laughs) pretty much anyone can learn how to be a therapist and set up a business right it's just what you can do so i was like right i guess it's time for a change so while i was in new zealand i traveled around loads and i ended up uh traveling back to canada and i settled in toronto um lived there for three years uh again set up a clinic that seems to be the thing that i do Mm, (laughs) just go to an area and put down roots sorry (laughs) i said (laughs) i'd rather not have to repeat it Um, okay i said like (laughs) clinic whore but, um, yeah. yeah, let's move yeah. on. Well, I went to, so yeah, set up a, a, a clinic that was a very like open plan clinic um, in Toronto, but it was very much a mesh of strength and conditioning and, um, and therapy at the same time. So it was kind of on and off the table, getting people on and off the table, um, making sure that they're actually like going home with a lot of exercise based stuff. So I found myself just writing people strength programs um, while I was like as working as a therapist, I was like saying to them, like your, your, your malady, your boo-boo isn't going to go away unless you actually train it, you know, and, and we need to get you to the point where you can train. That's what the therapy is for. But as soon as you're able to move it without, pain essentially that's where it's like okay now let's move it and that's where you know that that took off really well in terms of like how my thought process of uh getting on and off the table and and combining that strength and conditioning and the the coaching that i've built up over so many years and then therapy as well and like getting people moving and the mobility Mm -hmm. aspect of things um it all just came to a head there and i was also um out there teaching for a company called DTS um, under Kevin Darby. And again, that was another high, high performance team. Um, so we were teaching uh, FST, 
which is now called Frederick stretch therapy. It used to be called fascial stretch therapy, um, but you can't stretch fascia. So it's kind of a bit of a misnomer. Um, oh, okay. But it just so happens that their name starts with an F. So that kind of like helped with a lot of the branding stuff yeah. when they had to rebrand. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were teaching FST and I was teaching on the, the DTS level one as well, which is a personal training qualification. And uh, yeah, so did that for... Um, yeah, just under three years. And then uh, everything in the UK took off in terms of in the background of all of this. <laughs> I run a, a company called Stoic Conditioning. Um, I co-own that with uh, one of my best friends. And that's a, a very, that's an online only um, training platform. But that was starting to take off in the fact that we were getting the potential for contracts um, through different uh, countries. So I flew back to the UK because uh, I was going to go to West Africa and do a contract out there. And uh, yeah, that was, I was meant to fly out to West Africa in March 2020. And then the world shut down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, then. Uh, good good time to have an online business, Alex. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, we took a hit for sure, like a big old slap in the face. Um, but we pivoted quite well you know our, our overheads we never really were overreaching at that point so it was kind of like uh you know it was, we survived we were, we were good um but yeah and that kind of leads me up to today so like for the last three years i've solely been working on uh, stoic conditioning as well as oh, i say solely and then i say as well as um but i also do a lot of like online training myself um like personally as alex and uh always keep a roster roster of clients as well as doing all the stuff for stoic conditioning Mm. and treating people one-on-one uh as and when really yeah okay brilliant so um, well my next (laughs) question was going to be um do you have any regrets now i'm actually gonna i'm gonna take away one of your answers that you're likely to say which Mm. is of course not john because every decision i've ever made has led me to this led me to this moment where I'd be talking to to John at Storm Fitness Academy, you know, living the dream, um, <laughs> and, and you wouldn't obviously have a, an impact on any of that, of course. But when you look back over anything you did, is there any decision or any part of that journey that wasn't ideal? Could have been better, perhaps. I think um, it is an interesting question because you know self reflection is always good. Um, even self reflection without the 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 kind of uh dwelling on things like oh i wish i wish i'd done this or i wish i'd done that but self-reflection is good because it helps you strive to be better in the future so i think in that aspect i probably would have probably would have journaled more from the aspect of all the things that i've written over the years and all the programs that i've written over the years and and things like that i think had I had like some kind of monthly journal or even like a, you know, a day journal um, that I kept regularly, I've kind of like kept a journal on and off, um, like, you know, five minute journal or like a a daily gratitude log. I've kept that on and off for 15 years or so, but um, something from the aspect of like, I wish I'd, I'd retained all of the the things that I've written and all of the stuff that I've put out into the world. Um, just so I can reflect on it and like improve on it and, and build that up. And certainly over the course of Stoics um, lifespan, that's something that I've done. So I have a, 
a document with every every article I've ever written, every post I've ever written, um, you know, anything that I've ever put out into the world, I, I keep it in a single file. Um, mm. And uh, I think that's a great that's, idea. Yeah, that's over one hundred and ninety thousand words long. So <laughs> it's pretty pretty extensive ramblings. But uh, I wish I'd I'd started earlier. Um, in that aspect, I also think that uh, uh, I don't know. It, I was going to say I wish I'd stayed in New Zealand a little bit longer, but I think you know, going back to what you were saying, where everything happens for a reason. I think you know, I left New Zealand for certain reasons, um, but then I ended up in Canada, and it's like that's an incredible adventure, incredible time of my life living in Canada, living in Toronto. Like that city is absolutely amazing. Um, just the energy and everything that happens there it's very cool so yeah it's it's hard to look back on a life that i i am grateful for and be like oh i regret doing this or i don't regret doing that mm. no i knew you wouldn't um we you know we've talked previously anyway with similar personalities to the point of view that because well, we do we're fortunate enough and grateful that we do have good lives mm. The idea of going back and and altering that trajectory <laughs> is mm. you, you don't want to do you don't you know we've, we've had our struggles and you know we've overcome it etc yeah but they've I all made us who we are and led us to the struggles make you grow definitely you know, that's the you know all the hardship that i look back on that i've overcome i can look back on now and at the time when you look at you know when you when you are struggling and when you are you know going through shit it's it's never nice but it's you you've got to look at it as like something that you're you're working through rather than something that's like breaking you down because you can reflect on things afterwards and, and look at things almost fondly and be like wow yeah you know i've i went i've been through some shit <laughs> i've i've really struggled in some aspects and uh and now you know I'm, i don't and you know if i went through that now as i am today i wouldn't find that a struggle so it's like yeah exactly yeah. you've lived it you've 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 troubleshooted that already yeah um, that that expression you said earlier about everything happens for a reason i often wonder whether that expression whether it's it's not necessarily like that whether you're religious you know god's design or um your design for life or part of the plan or whatever or whether it's just because you have, you know, what Carol Dweck might call a growth mindset, mm. you'll just take an opportunity, you'll take a situation, no matter how bad it is, and just use it as a tool to develop and learn and, and become better. Mm. So then saying, you know, everything happens for a reason, it's, well, going to make damn sure that has happened for a reason, you know. Yeah. It's more a mindset than an actual, like a spiritual thing, potentially. I agree. I also think that there are some things that happen that you can't always just get away from. You know, it's that fight or flight mentality of, uh, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to leave. I'm just going to go away. I'm just going to get away from this. This struggle isn't always an option. So mm. you do have to overcome it. And, uh, and then therefore everything happens for a reason, for because, a reason it yeah. because it happened and you couldn't get away from it. So you just have yeah. to work through it. Yeah, good. Yeah, and I think also for like anyone listening as well that sometimes, yeah, if you can't get away from a situation, then you've got to figure out the best way to deal with it. Hmm. But if, but also be mindful if you can get away from a situation, 
get away from it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there are some situations where you just want to get away from it. <laughs> yeah, like a grizzly bear or something. No, uh, yeah, that was obvious, sure. isn't it? But there are some situations where people just they they stick things out, don't they? And they'll flog a dead horse and 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 they don't they they don't want to leave that situation because they feel some sort of pressure that mm. um which is imaginary or you know self-inflicted or whatever. Mm. But actually one of the best the, things uh, to do is just sunk. get away from it. Yeah. Or that sunk cost fallacy, right? You've just spent so much time working through a problem and you still haven't got to the end of it and you're just like, oh, I'm just gonna stick it out. Whereas yeah, yeah. you know, you should just cut your losses and be like, ah, oh, it's not gonna bother me in a year's time I'm gonna look back on this and not even remember the struggle I was going through. Yeah. I mean that'd be easy to do for someone like yourself or like, you know, myself included, or you know, um, Chris and one of our friends from uni who'd love to get on the show at some point. If we were to um if we if we were to go, oh, do you know what? I might get out of the fitness industry. You you you'd look back on that journey that you just described and go, Oh, it'd be easy to go, oh, but that will be for nothing. Mm. You know, I've, the the degree, you know, the three years at uni, all the other courses and qualifications you've done, all these other you could look at all those other work placements as interns, can you, like mm. leading towards where you are now. That'd all be for nothing. But the truth is, all the details of like the content of what you're learning, yes, that's important. But actually, it's kind of more than that, isn't it? It's the, the mm -hmm. skill, the adversity, the tenacity, that ability to be able to overcome mm -hmm. adversity and, and the troubleshooting and the and the being able to empathize and talk to people and understand people. And that stuff is, you can apply that to anything, can't you? Yeah. Absolutely. That's a skill set that you would take with you into any industry and into anything that you did in your life. Mm. Well, I know you mentioned that a lot of your challenges that you've had have, have made you the person you are today and you don't have regrets over them. So what has been your biggest challenge and how do you overcome it? Um, pause for thought, I guess. I had a, a pretty big challenge early on in life and when I was at university I had that really bad back injury. So I actually broke Ooh, my back. That, um, yeah. So when I was 20, um, so even before that I'd had like back issues um, through just like, I don't know, just growing up, <laughs> just carrying the weight of the Death world on my shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> deadlifting 250 kilos in your garage probably for reps yeah yeah like when i was like probably not even physically equipped to deadlift 100 um <laughs> so you know i had a really bad back injury uh, and leading up to that point like my my mindset of what i had figured out what i wanted to do with my life at that point i was just like or you know yes i'm learning all of this stuff at university and and how to apply it from a personal training aspect but really the two job career pathways i go i guess that i was interested in was being a professional rugby player or a professional soldier um so you know with the rugby aspect of things all the, the training and the different teams that i was playing for professional and semi-professional and all of the opportunities that i was trying to uh cultivate there and then you know with the military aspect of it um I'd uh, uh, attended like the Royal Marines entry and uh, gone through all of that and, you know, was going to join the Royal Marines as an officer potentially in the future. And then I had this back injury um, and it just 
you certainly take stock of your life and and kind of you know because i was so active and i was always on the go you know you never really sit and think with your with you know sit down with your thoughts for long periods of time um especially being like i think i was 19 20 at the time and uh you know when you when you can't walk and when you're <laughs> you know lying on a floor in agony like on, like trying to figure out whether you're going to make it to the toilet or whether you're just going to shit yourself on the floor again <laughs> like, mm. that's those moments where you're like you should probably think about where my life is going now so yeah I, sorry I are we that... talking about from the back injury or are we talking about uni again uh, after a <laughs> night out yeah that's it right <laughs> well i mean we've all been there on a night out <laughs> but uh no from the back injury like i had those those yeah touch and go moments and that was uh, another thing to overcome was just the the whole aspect of going through um, the medical pathway and having uh, surgeons look at it and be like, well, you, you should probably have surgery. Um, we're going to fuse that whole area. We'll repair this. We'll do that, this, that, and the other. You won't have any movement. We're going to fuse this part. And I was just like, I don't want any of that, thanks. Oh. <laughs> I'm okay. Um, and I think through sheer pig-headedness and just um, – I guess, yeah, tenacity, but also like applying everything that we were learning at university and everything that I'd learned in my course previously and then becoming an overnight expert in the works of like um, uh, Dr. Stuart McGill, uh, you know, just literally ordered his book straight away. I was like, right, who's the best back healing specialist <laughs> in that day and age and it was just like right Stuart McGill's writing written some incredible books about how to heal your spine so I've read them cover to cover started to apply things started to get movement in my back and started to move a bit more and, and then I was like you know reading everything that Poliquin had ever written about injuries that Paul Check had ever written about industry injuries um because they were kind of like the biggest names floating around at that point and it, you know any article on T Nation as well <laughs> um <laughs> love teen nation yeah still going. Love it. still going it is yeah yeah don't know whether that's a good thing or not but i know i must admit <laughs> i haven't read anything off there for pretty yeah years. it's probably great now probably probably been vetted quite a lot but uh but yeah so it was kind of like applying you know really really applying and seeing all of that knowledge that i'd accumulated over that time and everything that i was learning um just applying it real time to an injury that was um potentially life-changing and uh yeah and just seeing the the recovery that i had and getting back to playing rugby and you know after that my athletic career you know playing rugby uh played rugby over in canada um competed as a semi-professional strongman as well on the on the uk circuit i remember i've done, <laughs> done done crossfit like uh you know i do ultra marathons and all kinds of stuff like that like self um uh self-sustained so you know without any help ultra marathons yeah. which sure fun. surgeons are over the moon about this yeah oh, no, well, you didn't I know so you didn't have surgery did you but yeah <laughs> well that was it yeah <laughs> if you had done that would have been like what yeah you're doing what now <laughs> lifting Strong a 200 man. kilogram atlas stone yeah <laughs> But that was kind of like, and that I guess gives a glimpse into my mentality about a lot of things. You know, I had this back injury and I was like, well, when when I recover, because I was like, There's, I'm, I'm definitely going to recover from this. Um, when I recover, 
what's the sport that's going to have the most physical demand on my back that I could possibly train for because it was like it wasn't it wasn't a a case of oh I just want to get back to just moving around pain free I was like no no I want to get back to high level performance again so chose strongman <laughs> for my sins um and yeah just went full hot hammer and tongue into that mm, yeah I remember I remember coming to watch you enjoyed watching that <laughs> yeah when you into another one so I can bring Jaden along to the next one and Betsy yeah. she'd love to see you in that yeah yeah I'll throw down in, a, in an amateur one for sure <laughs> Um, right, brilliant. So, well, you know, you know what they say, Alex. Uh, everything happens for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, what would you say has been your biggest success, and why? Um, so, I'd like to think that all of the places that I've set up have been a success in their own right, and that you know, I think really one of the biggest reasons I got into this industry is that initial conversation I had with my friend when I was like 16, 17 about helping people and, and how I would be able to do it through health and fitness, through strength training, through, you know, teaching people about conditioning, how to run better nutrition, you know, how to sleep better, like all of these things where it's like, ah, oh, you know, become a specialist in that and be able to help people. So I think, my biggest successes have always been the people that I've helped along the way. And, you know, as a, as a trainer as well, you've had these, I'm sure you've had these success stories where you've, where you've helped somebody overcome something that's actually like, you know, when they tell you about it, you're like, Oh, that's, that's heavy. Like that emotionally mm. has like, yeah, hit me hard. So, you know, and I've had, been lucky to have helped many many people over the years overcome injuries overcome emotional trauma overcome like physical trauma um and and every place that i've been canada new zealand the uk online um i've had these stories come back and it, it just really it really i guess kind of bolsters you up even more because that's the that's the gratitude aspect of it, where it's like I'm so grateful that I'm able to help as many people as I am, and and kind of like um, set up places where people can go and get help for things, um, mm. even if it's just like I want I want help feeling good about my body, or I want help losing weight, or you know these subjective or tangible things. But um, it's the it's the the people that come back to you and they're like, I've overcome this and I never thought it would have been possible had I not spoken to you about it and had you not given me, like, lent me your ear kind of thing to talk it through, you know, the aspects where, or the the, the clients that you get where you're one of the only people that, like, really listens to them and really helps them and empathises with them. And, they, you know, some people that I've spoken to have never had that in their lives. Um and those those are always the clients where you're like, yeah, this is this is so worth it. Like everything that I've been through, all the struggle, all the all the stress in my life has been worth it to be able to help that person have a better life in any aspect. Mm. Like let alone how how the magnitude with which you can help people. Um, so I think success wise, or you know, what I always feel so, like so grateful about in terms of being successful is 
helping people, whether it's helping someone physically or emotionally overcome something, or, you know, nowadays, a lot of the people that I help are military going into the military or trying to transcend into like special forces. Um, that's kind of like our biggest area at Stoic where we, where we help people. So, you know, helping people being a, a small part of the, the puzzle that gets people um, or small part of the equation that gets people to what is essentially like one of their life goals, one of their life dreams mm. is, uh, is really fulfilling. Yeah. I remember listening to, I can't remember his first name, Huberman. Huberman podcast. Big Daddy Huberman, Andrew Huberman. Andrew Huberman, that's it. I listened to one of his podcasts where he was talking about gratitude because I know there's a lot of stuff on um, journaling and, um, Mm. you know, gratitude journaling to to help improve your mood, etc. And uh, he basically said, if I interpreted him correctly, that there's a more potent or powerful mood-boosting punch if you want to call it that um from the sort of the gratitude side of things when you receive gratitude so rather than Mm. me sitting here going you know i'm really grateful for um my slippers (laughs) um i'm really grateful for (laughs) i don't know why slippers came to my head (laughs) i'm really grateful for my children for my wife you know all that sort of stuff which is is great and we should all do that for sure definitely um but he said, actually, it seems to be more powerful when actually you receive gratitude. So if if a client, for example, says to you, oh, my God, thank you so much. You know, you changed my life. What I'm able to do now, I never thought I'd be able to do. And it's really improved the quality of my life, et cetera. That is more powerful, which I suppose, as I'm saying it, I'm kind of like, well, yeah, <laughs> I expect it probably is, John. But um, he was saying that, you know, that there's data out that suggests that. And uh, so by hearing that it makes you think well then surely the the answer to a good life is to help more people isn't it is to just mm-hmm. get out there and help more people and we're very lucky that we have a a job that allows us to do that constantly all the time regularly is to helping mm-hmm. people because everything we're helping them with you know whether it's me helping someone to have a, a career in, a, in an industry that they really want to work in and have a, a job that they're very passionate about obviously i'm still a trainer as well so i'm still doing bits that you're doing or with you, you know, helping people get into the military and stay alive. <laughs> it's quite a, quite an important job you're doing there, Alex. Uh, harder to kill. Is that it? hard to kill? That's what I say, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah. Then, um, I mean, that is, that's as good as it gets, isn't it, from that point of view? Um, but the only thing I, I worried about, and this is me obviously overthinking things I always <clears> do <throat> when I listen to it, is what about if people start deliberately going out to help people so that they can get the gratitude back? That's probably not going to be the same, is it? It's not going to work. I don't know. <laughs> well, I guess, yeah, you know, you're still helping people. You're still helping, yeah. You're still making There's a, a lot of um, a lot of lecturers and, uh, well, I say a lot of, I, you know, I remember speaking to a, a lecturer in particular um, and uh, he was talking about, uh, it was quite an old old guy still knocking around doing courses but uh he was saying you know he'd never he'd never stop lecturing because he loves um helping people and he loves kind of like the feedback that he gets from people it like it, it's his you know he was like it feeds me it keeps mm. me alive it keeps me going like when he's teaching people and people are like oh my god this knowledge and whether that's like a ego thing or a messiah complex whatever but <laughs> You know, 
the oh, fact well, that he's, who cares if it is yeah but no, the fact that he's out there and he's still good. like educating people and helping people upskill even to the point where you know he's gone back on a lot of the stuff that he and he's constantly evolving himself um so yeah i think it's i think it's still worthy it's still yeah, worthy definitely. helping as many people as you can that really resonates with me though with the um from a lecturing point of view or a teaching point of view because obviously you know i do quite a bit of that mm. and that light bulb moment like it's 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 so it's it's definitely a thing like where mm. you see someone in the room where it suddenly dawns on them i suddenly get it like i had um i'm mean, like numerous numerous moments like that just recently um but one recently where i taught a guy in my my group um he it was a sports science lecture and we were talking about how to write a hypothesis whether it's a null hypothesis or alternative hypothesis and getting this this particular i don't want to say his name but this particular person to understand this and i <laughs> and i saw the moment he got it because mm. his face his face lit up and that was the light bulb moment the light, light bulb was clearly in his head because it lit up his face and uh and that's exactly what you're talking about it's that feeling there where you're like it's not it's not about your, your zeros on your bank balance mm. Although I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that's not nice. Like we all like to see zeros on the band balance, don't we? Um, yeah. After some other numbers, not just zeros. Um, yeah. <laughs> Nothing but zeros. Yeah. Uh, my bank hates me. Yeah. But I think, um, you know, that is a that's a really good point for anyone trying to get into the industry. It's, it can be, and I'm sure you speak about this on your course. It can be very hard, like from a, you know, slogging your guts out, walking the gym floor. Um, you know, or as I used to, we used to call it back in the day, LA Fitness, walking the dance floor, trying to pick up people because it is akin to like just walking up to someone in a nightclub, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so it can be very draining, and and certainly when you're not seeing that reflected in your bank account, that's something that you can fixate on. But what I would say is fixate on the aspect of helping as many people as you can, mm. because you know the the financials. Um, benefits will come and they are definitely in line with the more people you help you know the, the better it helps you as well that's a great bit of advice obviously that's one piece of advice that um hopefully people are going to listen to that in action but uh, on that um what would you say to anyone that shares a similar passion as you so obviously very early on i think you said it as young as 13 you know you started to think about how being physical and training to be better perform better was obviously evolving into quite a strong passion for you mm. anybody who's listening to this who can relate to that and has a similar passion what would you say to them Ooh. uh never stop learning never stop being inquisitive about things um never never think that you have all the answers <laughs> yeah it's that whole dunning kruger effect isn't it you know mm. you, you learn a little bit and you think you know everything and then <laughs> the more you learn the more you know you, you learn you don't know anything <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, yeah yeah, like yeah three years into your into your career and you're like that's it i've done it i've like completed strength and conditioning i know it all and then <laughs> 10 years later you're like i know nothing absolutely nothing i barely know anything <laughs> yeah. so i think having having a healthy 
interest in it, almost like a healthy hunger to learn more and to to gain more knowledge and to also be confident and comfortable enough to refute things that you read because you know going back to a point that we made earlier there is so much knowledge now that is just pumped out onto the internet that it's very hard for people to distinguish what is good knowledge and good applicable knowledge um, from just the noise the, the background noise of all the information that's being pumped out mm. um, so I think that would be one point my second point would be find a niche that you're really passionate about and you don't need to find that niche to get started because that will that will come later on you know just try and get into it learn as much as you can help as many people as you can and the more people that you get in front of the more you'll like you'll start to you know dial down on a niche that you really want to help that you really enjoy helping as well that like brings you a lot of joy but is also you know quote unquote your flow state mm-hmm. so i think that would be you know my other point is find your niche but find your niche but don't be in a rush to find your niche like you know just just get into the industry enjoy helping people enjoy learning and applying your knowledge and then i suppose my third point would be um <laughs> never never stop training yourself and never stop training yourself in different ways because a lot of a lot of trainers out there can become very one trick ponies and you know you know going back to the niche point like if you're if you love bodybuilding and you just want to be a bodybuilder and you just want to help bodybuilders because you know male bodybuilders in particular between these ages it's like okay well that's your niche you love doing that but i'd say there's a lot of there's there's a a wealth of information out there when you start to train yourself in different ways you know i've always loved being a strength athlete or a strong athlete but you know over the years i've i've done like you know i've ballooned my way up to an open category strong man and then i've dieted myself down to be um cover model ready like lean and then like i've pushed all my energies into becoming a performance like machine and just trying to be like a CrossFit machine. And then, mm. you know, I've tried to maintain strength, but also run ultra marathons and like cross country ultra marathons and stuff like that. And it's like through all of that, I have learned so much in terms mm. of how to then apply that to my clients and apply all the lessons that I've had to go through all the, all the teaching points that I've had to, uh, endure, I guess, in all the different changes of training styles that I've toyed with over the years. Um, so I think those would be my my three biggest points: is always be inquisitive with knowledge and always, you know, never stop learning. Um, find your niche, but don't be in a rush to find your niche, and then never stop testing things out on yourself and and just enjoying the process of being able to change your body change your physique and manipulate your performance as well yeah brilliant i love that i think um that generalized before you specialize kind of thing is what Mm. you're saying isn't it what i was hearing uh it's funny isn't it because that's kind of what we say with with fitness anyway don't we we have like general physical preparedness build the foundation build the baseline and then look at specializing depending on what your sport is etc um and it 
it sort of feels like that you should do that with with knowledge and i guess mm-hmm. that's what we even do uh, you know with kids in schools is they they generalize their knowledge like all the different subjects yeah and then we specialize you know with the a levels and on to if you do go down that road on to doing a degree and it's yeah it's the same isn't it once you once you get your pt quals you know if you go level four strength and conditioning or you might then do side steps and look at doing some specialist courses like lower back care or what have you mm-hmm. exercise referral but you do have to do a bit of generalization first a i think because i think that broad knowledge is helpful because mm-hmm. a lot of it overlaps but exactly like you say is it's actually to find out what your passion is like who do you really enjoy helping and and who do you who do you who you're good at helping really mm. have you listened to do you, have you heard much of scott galloway at all you know scott uh, yeah. galloway? he uh, a recent podcast i listened i think it's the steve bartlett one where he talks about this uh he 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 was he was about to say it and then he made reference to it being like overused a bit he goes oh i hate to say you know find your passion and 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 you know use that as your career but he's like yeah <laughs> i mean we all have multiple passions he was saying but find one of those and and actually choose the one where there is either a very large market for it but then the mar- or the uh, the market's not saturated because it could be a small market but there's no one else doing it so mm. you can then corner it you know um so the point i guess he was trying to make was is one thing going you know this is my passion so i'm going to go do this but you've got to think about if is your niche is there enough is there a, t- a sizable target market and is there enough room for you in that market if not pick another one of your passions or 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 make it even more niche you know mm. whatever, whatever that may be so quite like that because i did think there is like we we're big on you know one of our taglines is make your passion your profession and i you know wholeheartedly believe that it's exactly what i've done what you've done or chris has done your other guys we know that have been successful have all done that um but at the same time i guess we've all recognized where the niche within that was um Mm -hmm. so we have followed our passions but then we've also gone well we've got a bit bit smart about things you know we've got bills to pay (laughs) Um, we need to actually make an income. We can't just turn up to work loving loving that, but then n- not pay our mortgage, etc. So, yeah, that was um, that was my attempt at being half sensible there with <laughs> <laughs> the business um, aspect of it. I do like that. I think um, you know, going back to the knowledge side of things, I always keep this quote in in my mind. I can't remember where I read it, who I who I heard it from, or whatever, but. Um, it's uh, know a lot about a little bit and a little bit about a lot <laughs> because you know your your ability to apply that breadth of knowledge to your focused aspect is what will set you apart. You know, that, yeah, that being you know, um, and there's even uh, from like a physical aspect of it as well. I think it was. I may or may not get this right, but uh, the book Range by Epstein. Not that Epstein. Yeah, not um, that one. Um, no, I don't know that book. Uh, he that, that, that whole book kind of dispels the specialization aspect of most athletic performances. It's a very interesting, interesting read, interesting like take on things. 
And I can definitely see that from, you know, the uh, SF community that I work in. They are the consumer generalists, but specialists. Mm. You know, they they are generally good at a hell of a lot of things. So their level of generalization is very much higher than most people, but then they are incredibly specialist at a few things. Um, and right. it's, just, it's, it's awesome to see. Yeah, that makes sense. I sometimes feel like my brain is is at full capacity. And when I learn something new now... I was now, wondering where you were going with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's damaged. Um, yeah. When I learn something new now, I have to kick something else out. <laughs> that's mm. I swear that's 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 what happens. So I get a new bit of information. I go, yeah. well, if you want to keep this, um, you're going to have to get rid of some of this other stuff. It's what I try and do with Betsy when she wants a new toy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, you can have it, but you need to check yeah. out some of this other crap that you don't. Being a consummate minimalist with the your yeah. brain capacity, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't know. Yeah, I kind of feel like that. That's the case with a, a lot of people. Is that yeah, you ge- certainly generalize, generalize, learn, learn, uh, learn enough about quite a few different things, and then you know when it comes to then getting very very good at a handful of those those things, you might need to start being a bit cautious about more the information you take in. Mm-hmm. You know, like if someone sometimes if a student might say to me, I don't know, what do you make of, um, you know, coconut water for hydration? You know, apparently there's some studies out there say that, you know, it's better for hydration drinking coconut water, for example. Rightly or wrongly, my brain goes, water's good enough. I'm not even going to go and read those articles. I'm not going to, because if I do, I'm going to have to, it's just going to be a time in my life I'll never get back. <laughs> And I'm probably going to learn anything life-changing from that. And just even absorbing some of it means I'm going to kick something out that potentially was useful. I don't know. <laughs> um, that was a bit of a Interesting moment. way of putting it. I love it. Yeah. Okay, right. This is a good time to conclude this because I'm already starting to waffle. Um, but <laughs> I do. <laughs> I would like you to waffle a little bit about stoic conditioning because you've touched on it. And obviously you've got the, you got the, the branding on the t-shirt there so if you could just tell the listeners more about stoic conditioning yeah so stoic conditioning has been uh so we've been running since 2015 um it was set up by my business partner and good friend um who's still serving in the military and and then i came on board uh quite early on and we just kind of like you know we just wanted to serve that community and that that niche as it were so you know, from early on, we recognized that the it's definitely changed a lot more now. But back then, certainly when my business partner was going through all of his military career, um, you know, from basic training into entry into like being deployed and 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 then onto other courses as well, the level of knowledge of strength and conditioning was greatly like it's very poor compared to you know he had gone out and spent a year in the u.s and like was able to witness like their level of strength and conditioning application to their sports teams but also their military and then when he came back he was like this is a massive gap in our in our area in our british military so we kind of set it up from the aspect of you know we're training Royal Marines, Parachute Regiment, anyone who's looking to get into the tri-services. But our main niche was serving guys who 
wanted to go into special forces because the UKSF is um, selection is arguably one of the hardest selection courses in the world, if not the hardest selection course in the world. Um, and all the other courses that may or may not be harder were all modelled from our selection course. So, you know, it, it's a, a true testament to not just your physical skill your physical capacity your physical performance but it's a huge mental and skills-based selection process mm. um so we really tapped into that and lent into it in a big way with stoic in terms of like all the information that we were pumping out and that's still pumping out and uh all the kind of courses that we've written over the years and the evolution of you know we were doing pdfs that were pretty you know, you, again, you look back on it and you're like, it was great at the time, but now like we have an app that's very bespoke and we can manipulate things in the app very quickly and change things very quickly in the app. And it's just, yeah, it's just um, taken off into a, a really good space where we're now progressing into a lot of other things, which I'm not going to mention now because they're still kind of in the, in the background, um, but very exciting, very exciting times for us for sure. Mm like an ai i can i'm sensing ai i'm sensing you're gonna no. have like holograms of <laughs> your your uh, all the other soldiers around you and you're training alongside them or something like that maybe I don't well know. we've kind of we've looked into implementing augmented reality into our app um which is something that we're still kind of working through um from the aspect of like video de demonstrations so at the moment we've got videos that kind of show every every single movement we we program we have a video for and each one of those videos has a cue um or a set of cues to help people really get to grips with what we're looking for the intention of the movement what areas you know are most likely to break down in a movement just from the experience that you know we've had over decades of being in the industry um but looking at augmented reality and looking at is there a way that we can leverage that to help people understand more because everything that we do at stoic is held up against the is this going to help our avatar is this going to help our niche um because if it isn't then we don't need to waste energy on it mm. and augmented reality and and virtual reality stuff and even ai there's aspects of that where it's just like it's not it's not there yet in terms of it being beneficial to the end user. Mm. So we're not going to implement it until it's at a stage or until we can develop it to a stage where it's actually going to be beneficial for our guys, for it to be put in front of our guys. Because yeah. you can you can just waste flipping. Not to mention the money you could waste, but you can waste so much time looking at stuff and invariably it's not going to help somebody get to grips with a movement more than a video and a load of cues and a load of and and then just practice right that person mm -hmm. just needs to rubber hits the road at some point you just got to get under the bar and flip in squat and figure out what you need to do you know yeah. so yeah but uh you know we're, we're looking at expanding stoic quite a lot um, so we have massive plans for this coming year for expansion. Um, we're looking at a big performance facility. Like we have a facility at the moment where we do a lot of our filming and lecturing and stuff. And uh, we're, we're looking at a, a huge, huge facility that will be kind of like our big 
performance HQ um, where guys can come and actually like work with the coaches one-on-one work with the team you know we've got a supplement line that we're building out we're going to do you know we're working on blood analysis to really like get into the weed whack of someone's performance um and where we can tweak things it's that kind of mentality of um the accumulation of incremental gains right that whole if i can make every every part of this person's performance one percent better or cumulatively they're going to be that much better but uh yeah and then uh the app is being updated soon we've got some really cool new features coming out on the app as well as new programs new programming um and then uh lots of work within the five eyes community being done as well at the moment right man it sounds amazing i'm picturing like captain america type stuff you know <laughs> you're yeah. going to turn people into super soldiers but using um yeah all that your all the different products and services yeah. you offer great well um <laughs> oh so one thing i wanted to, to ask you quickly um your your app do you, do you guys still do the seven day trial so if people want to visit your Absolutely. site great so yeah, can... so anyone can jump on the app either through the App Store or the Google Play Store. Um, if you just go to our website, which is stoicconditioning.com, um, from the main page, you'll you'll be able to um, navigate to like the seven-day trial. Uh, yeah, it's just easy. Amazing. Too easy. <laughs> Too easy, yeah. Well, that was brilliant. Thank you, Alex. Um, well, uh, what we'll do is we'll sort of wrap it up here and then um, stay stay afterwards and, and have a chat about what uh, what the box sets you're watching at the moment and uh, any good movie recommendations because that's our second passion isn't it yeah that's it we're gonna we start up another podcast um to basically talk about films movies books movie and video chat. games really yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah imagine yeah, doing that absolute pleasure being on john thank you very much for the invite yeah we'll get you on again if uh if you're happy to <laughs> yeah for sure well people right. want it as well <laughs> give the people what they want give the people (laughs) what they want what film is that gladiator probably yeah probably sounds like a gladiator one doesn't it cool all right cheers alex take care man enjoy the rest of your day now if you enjoyed today's episode something you can do for me is subscribe to my show and if you know anyone else that might be interested in this content then please share it with them too you can also head over to our socials and follow us on tiktok instagram facebook and youtube but if you're ready to take that next step visit our website www.stormfitnessacademy.co.uk fill out a contact form that will come straight to me i will contact you shortly afterwards and i look forward to speaking to you then